0: Hello there, and welcome into this edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. The first conversation material is from Os Hillman of Marketplace Leaders, who explores the power of declaration in realizing God's purposes for our lives. Then it's Donna Van Leer, who brings insight into the last days, exploring scenarios found in Bible prophecy. And coming up on this edition of The Intersection, some comments from Steve Stewart of the ministry Impact Nations, who talks about how the Beatitudes can bring comfort and resolve in the troubled times we face. Finally, it's Sonia Anderson of Yahweh Nisi Ministries discussing how the presence of Jesus is found in the Old and New Testaments, underscoring the work of Christ, our Passover Lamb. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Os Hillman is the president of the workplace ministry called Marketplace Leaders and the author of the book, 31 Decrees of Blessing for Your Work Life. In a recent conversation, he provided comments on the power of the tongue, including how what Christians declare can bring God's intended results. Here now from that conversation is Os Hillman.
1: Recently, I began thinking about the fact that we all have tools in our Christian toolbox, if you will. We have Mm. have, uh, our evangelism Bible study worship and uh, you know different tools but one of the things I noticed that uh, was not a part of most people's toolbox that I knew was this uh, understanding of the audible Word of God and speaking it in certain times in Job 22:28, it says thou shalt also decree a thing and it shall be established unto thee and the light shall shine upon thy ways and uh, so I began to really study scriptures years ago about this and saw that there were certain situations in the Bible where God would tell a person to speak. He told Ezekiel to speak to the dry bones. Uh, God said, Let there be light in Genesis. He told Moses to speak to the rock instead of strike the rock. He told Joshua to walk around the city walls seven times and then shout at it. Even Jesus spoke to the fig tree, and Jesus spoke to Lazarus to come out of the grave and or the tomb, and he spoke to Peter spoke to the crippled man, and so what we see is uh, this situation where the spoken word had great power and uh, caused breakthroughs in people's situations, and so I my mentor shared some stories with me over the years about s- similar things that happened to him. In his own life and breakthroughs in his business life so uh, and I had some personal ones my wife had a a situation so we've we've developed a few case studies about it and so the book you know tells a story then it has ten decrees based on scripture and then a small paragraph uh, inviting them to activate their faith in that area
0: what attitude, as you see it, should a someone who has a business, someone who has committed that business to Christ, what should he or or his or her attitude be with respect to their business and seeing that business glorifying God?
1: Sure. Well, you know, I think that we, as believers, as we submit our business to the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all thy ways, and he shall direct thy paths. And sometimes he directs us in unusual ways. Sometimes he uses the foolishness of things to confound the wise. And certainly that qualifies in this type of situation. And so I think it's, um, it's not making God a genie in our life. It's just being led by God and being available uh, whenever he calls us to do something that might be out of the ordinary.
0: And if you would discuss with us for just a moment, when we see a business that is successful, a business that is, is dedicated to God, that business can, can actually play a key role in helping to further the kingdom of God as people can see the work of God through it. Elaborate on that, if you would, please.
1: Well, that's right, you know, and we have a great Old Testament example of that in Boaz, and uh, he was the kinsman redeemer for Ruth and um, Naomi, and uh, he was a, a very successful farmer, and one of the things he did was he left the gleanings in his fields behind for the poor to come and work his fields. That was their way of helping the poor, and so they still had to work. But they had an opportunity to you know, provide for themselves through the generosity of Boaz. And the principle for the modern-day business is that as we get the first fruits from our business, we have the ability to further God's kingdom. And it says that in Deuteronomy 8.18, that he gives us the ability to create wealth in order to establish his kingdom on earth. And so that's uh, Uh, an encouragement to all of us who own businesses to not only make a great product but use the proceeds also to further his kingdom.
0: Os Hillman here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to the website 3131decrees.com. Next on this edition of The Intersection, it's Donna Van Leer, author of the book The Day of Ezekiel's Hope, the second in a series of books centered around Bible prophecy. In our conversation she discussed her desire for Christians to know more about prophecy and how it factors into the novel. Here now from that conversation is Donna Van Leer.
2: Emma's in New York and she has to learn how to live and actually she goes on a journey to figure out what in the world has happened because a great many people throughout the world have disappeared her mother included among them so she has to go on this journey where she's trying to search for truth because many TV pundits are saying, oh, it was aliens. No, it was uh, biological warfare that happened that caused all these people to disappear. So there's a, a, a great many things that are being, you know, bandied about, about, about what has happened. But Emma Emma goes on a search and she she discovers a Bible and she begins to read it because she had used to go to church with her mom and dad. So she begins to read it so that she can discover the truth and find out what is happening. And then on the other side of the world in, in Rome, Italy, there's, there's a group of leaders that have kind of come together to figure things out as well. Hey, somebody needs to lead the world now. So they've come together. And in Israel, There is a man, his name is Zira Adler, he's a Jew, he's a doctor there, and he too is going on a journey to figure out what in the world is going on. So the world is chaotic, it's been turned upside down, and that is the time of Jacob's trouble. So here in the day of Ezekiel's hope, in the second book, we're still following Emma and her friends in New York City. They are attempting to rescue and save many children and teens who are on the street. And in in Israel, there are the, the, the two witnesses that we read about in Revelation 11, and they are in Jerusalem, and they are calling people to repentance. They are calling people to repent of their sins, and the entire world is hating them because these two men have the power of God to call to call down any sort of plague on the world. So the world continues to be inflicted by these plagues from these two men as they continue to preach this obnoxious message of repentance and to turn from your sins. So it's kind of a fast-paced book as we jump about through different parts of the world as, as people try to learn how to live in those days prior to the return of Christ. But again, Bob, I don't want to leave people there. I don't want to leave them with just a story. Mm. So I take them into the, that back portion of the book where they can read from scripture about what all of this meant. And I, I try to emphasize over and over again, Bob, in both books, when people get to Revelation, many people say, oh, it's just a story, it's just allegory. But God tells us seven times in that book, it's a book of prophecy. And the number seven in Scripture means perfection. And he's saying, no, if it was allegory, I would have said that. If it was a poem, if it was a lament, if it was a parable, I would have said that. But I've told you seven times this is prophecy. And he even tells us, don't change a word of the prophecy of this book. (laughs) And don't add anything to it. So I, I try to emphasize that to the reader, that these things are going to happen but in god's mercy he has told us about them before they happen so that we can be prepared and so that we can know jesus so that when he steps into the air and and he shouts that that command that those who are in christ will hear that command and we will join him in the air the day of ezekiel's hope is taken from ezekiel 38 the ezekiel 38 war that has never happened in history because it says that God will supernaturally intervene and will save Israel. There's going to be fire and brimstone that's going to fall from heaven. There's going to be mountains are going to fall in Israel. There's going to be a great earthquake that is going to take a a tenth of the city in that earthquake. And that's never happened. So we're still waiting for that Ezekiel 38 war. And that is the beginning of the day of Ezekiel's hope. That's how this book starts is with that particular war and we see this alignment we see this coalition of nations already who have been meeting within the last several years it's iran it's russia it's turkey they have had several meetings just within the last several weeks russia has given up their airbase in syria and iran has completely stepped in and taken over that airbase so they're working together.
0: Donna Van Leer here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to her website, donna van donnavanleer.com. This is The Intersection podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast. Also, through that Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the podcast. It can be found in the Media Center as well as through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible one is The Three with Three Stories of Relevance to the Christian Community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content, including recently added content from Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Winter 2021 Christian Product Expo in Charlotte, North Carolina. Again, you can go to meetinghouseonline.info or visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from the Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Learn more through the Meeting House homepage. Continuing now with this edition of the Intersection Podcast, more conversation material for you. This is Steve Stewart, founder and president of Impact Nation's he shared with me about how God is working through that ministry and elaborated on some of the principles that he relates in the book, The Beatitudes for a Time of Crisis. From that conversation, here now is Steve Stewart.
3: The early church fathers used the metaphor of a ladder for the Beatitudes and said that each Beatitude is built upon a previous one. So they're in a very particular order. And and the very first one is actually I think that the keystone to the the whole Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. I think when we acknowledge, deeply acknowledge, our poverty of spirit, my own personal poverty of spirit, my great lack, my great need, and yet in the midst of that, Jesus says, but I'm here. The the reality of the kingdom of heaven is so available to you. I am here for you in the midst of that. When we begin to really embrace that, then it takes us to blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And I talk quite a bit about that. I think I do one or two chapters on, on most of these theatitudes. And and I talk about yes, we mourn for our sin, which is again built on the previous recognizing our poverty of spirit, but we're mourning corporately. We're mourning for the pain. We're mourning for the brokenness. And and then I think there's just an, an existential mourning that, that is because as the Bible says again and again, you know, we're strangers, we're aliens. This is not our home. And uh, But coming out of that and then meekness and so forth, then when we get to beatitudes like, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice or righteousness, same word. Uh, blessed are the peacemakers, which is huge now. Without that earlier foundation, it's so easy for us, for me anyway, To succumb yeah i get i get frustrated with injustice in unrighteousness and it's easy for me to come at it from a place of of either frustration or judgment peacemaking i can come at it if i come at it from any place but my own poverty of spirit i'm making i'm trying to be a peacemaker out of sadness for for you know the spirit of christ is always one of reconciliation right Second Corinthians five. We need each of these, and I've just quickly skimmed over three or four of them, they take us deeply into finding Christ in the midst of it because we must remember Bob the second half, that resurrection half of every beatitude. And that's why it's it's not enough to just read them off in you know 25 seconds, but to take time, continually uh, come back to that because they point us directly to Jesus. As I said, I, I think they're a wonderful biography of Jesus.
0: Well, in this book, as I understand it, you spend quite a bit of time on the Beatitude, Blessed Are the Peacemakers. Share with us about the power of that statement by Jesus and how we as believers in Christ, as the body of Christ, can really apply that to what we see today going on in our world.
3: Well, we sure need it, don't we? Oh, yes. Um, it, isn't it interesting that he didn't say, uh, blessed are those who love peace, blessed are those who are in favor of peace, blessed are those who talk about peace. Hmm. He said, blessed are those who make peace. And as always, Jesus challenges us that what we really believe is what we put into practice. And, um, you know, we... We, with the spirit of Christ in us, are uniquely positioned in our world to release the reality of heaven, to release the, the Father's blessing. That's why he called us salt and light. And um, and so I believe peacemaking, even within the sphere of where we live in our neighborhood or, or the discussions we're in, um, I believe it's tangible, and I believe because of the spirit of Christ, if we, will, if we will move in the kinds of things we've talked about the last 10 minutes from the Beatitudes, that, that, uh, that ministry of reconciliation begins to be real. We begin to find there is a grace. I think a big part of peacemaking is, is being a good listener. Um, you know, James said, be, uh, be slow to speak and quick to listen. I think some of that is to to really try to understand the other side rather than demonize it. This is the thing that I think many of us have been so upset in the last couple of years, the demonization of the other side. And I never never saw Christ doing that.
0: Steve Stewart here on The Intersection. You can learn more online by going to the website impactnations.com. Finally, on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's the founder of Yahweh Nisi Ministries, Sonia Anderson, author of the Torah Time Digest series, including the book Torah Time Digest, Sacred Waters, Hallowed Ground. In our overall conversation, she shared about the presence of Jesus in the Old Testament and his becoming our Passover lamb. Here now is Sonia Anderson.
4: Well, he became our Passover lamb. So instead of now having those sacrifices and the feast Passover, we're sacrificing animals for our sins. He is the sacrifice once and for all for our sins. So he became that ultimate Passover lamb for us. So there is now no more sacrifice for sin. So that is one example we can take. And it's a good reason to celebrate the Passover today because now we're honoring Yeshua as our Passover lamb rather than going with the physical slaughter of a lamb.
0: let's dig a little bit deeper, if you will. We're, of course, having this conversation. It is shortly before the commemoration of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We think a lot. This is a great time of year to be thinking about what Christ did for us as our perfect sacrifice for our sins. There was, because of our sinfulness, because of the fall that we read about in the book of Genesis, we were separated from God and we deserved eternal punishment. But Jesus stood in our place. He died in our place. He became that perfect sacrifice so that in him we might have salvation, that we might have new life. And so the the provisions that we see in the Passover as far as the sacrifice, Jesus became that perfect, absolute sacrifice for us. So uh, elaborate on that, if you will, as far as the significance of what Christ did.
4: Well, the the biggest significance is that what he had in store for us, we can now attain. We can now take part of. For example, sin separated us from the glory of Yeshua, and now through his sacrifice, we can actually have that glory again. um, He even says the glory which was given to him by the Father, he is now giving that to us so that we might be unified as a body. Um, That is one way we can actually accept and enjoy the sacrifice that he made for us and just have that eternal life in him if we choose him for ourselves.
0: Well, let's talk about the the Torah Time Digest series. As I mentioned earlier, there are 12 books in that. The first one was called Yahweh Lover of My Soul, correct? Right. Yes. What did you want to communicate through that?
4: That we can draw closer to him in intimacy through soaking prayer, through becoming a living sacrifice for him, and just coming to him for prayer, not just for requests, but just to love on him. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we bring our laundry list and that's okay at times. And, you know, he says we need to ask in order to receive, but there are times when we just need to spend time with him just because of who he is. And that's how he really transforms and evolves for us as the lover of our souls. If we can just come into his presence and just sit at his feet and worship and adore him just for who he is, we are very blessed by that act. Let's contrast, or I want to, I
0: want you to contrast what we see in the Old Testament, the nature of the relationship between Moses and God, and we we recognize that that was a relationship. It had some components of intimacy, and we see Moses as he communed with God, and we see there was the reference throughout, especially the Book of Exodus, about the glory of God. So. Mm-hmm. How did Moses interact with the glory of God versus how we as believers in Christ can interact with and experience God's presence?
4: Moses had visitations of the glory. They were powerful visitations. He mm-hmm. had to prepare for these visitations. He was called to come aside and from everyone else and consecrate. In order to prepare for these visitations and a lot of times it was just him alone with Yahweh on the mountain and then he came back to the people today that glory is accessible to everyone through Yeshua Messiah and we don't have to have that visitation Yeshua Messiah Jesus Christ is the hope of glory Jesus Christ in us that's what it says that is the hope of glory so we don't have to have a visitation anymore we can actually have this perfect living consecration of just continuous living in his glory and having that glory culture for ourselves
0: Sonia anderson here on the intersection you can learn more by going to sonja s-o-n-y-a-t anderson.com well we have almost concluded this week's edition of the intersection podcast a weekly production of the meeting house you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast. There's also a link to the podcast from the Meeting House homepage. You can find it in the Media Center as well as through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. And the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Again, that website address, meetinghouseonline.info, or you can visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of The Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.